Hello, and welcome to the Let It Matter podcast. I'm your host, Kelly Wolf. Here at Let It Matter, we seek to make space for and honor what matters to us as individuals, as communities, and as beloved children of God. The Bible tells us in 1 Peter 5 to cast our cares on God because God cares for us. That tells me that God cares about what we care about. In their song of the same title, the group Johnny Swim offers this invitation. If it matters, let it matter. So that's what we're going to do. I invite you to join me for the next 30 to 45 minutes as we make space for, honor, celebrate, or lament, and as we name, what matters. Okay. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to the Let It Matter podcast. I'm so thankful you are joining me. Today on the show, I am joined by author, speaker, and writer Shannon Martin. Let me tell you a little bit about Shannon, and we will just dive right in. Shannon Martin is the author of Start With Hello, The Ministry of Ordinary Places, and Falling Free. She is a speaker and writer who found her voice in the country and in her story, and her story in the city. She is a voracious reader, a wannabe gardener, a news geek, a thrift store stalker, a justice fighter, and an aficionado of not-too-spicy salsa, where I identify with her. <laughs> Shannon works as a cook at a community kitchen and falls asleep most nights thinking about breakfast. She and her family live as grateful neighbors in Goshen, Indiana. Now, let's get into the show. Okay, Shannon Martin, thank you so much for joining me on the Let It Matter podcast today. I am so thrilled to have you here. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. <sighs> what a joy. I have followed your <laughs> your work and your writing for a good long time on social media and um and finally <laughs> finally got to start with hello in my stack of books uh not too long <laughs> ago. And I just thought, gosh, this is such um it's so applicable, particularly in the sort of moment that we're in. Yeah. And so um, I want to just sort of dive right in there. People, <laughs> I think it's just sort of a well-known thing. Adult friendships and adult connection is just hard. Yeah. It's just really hard for a lot of reasons and for a lot of people, um, especially in this sort of post COVID lockdown, COVID uh, is very stringent restrictions around COVID yeah, um, yep. and social distancing and all that. And then in even this just sort of political climate, a few weeks ago, a, a woman was shot in her store for flying a, yeah. a pride right. flag. You know, I mean, it's just, uh, there's just such a loneliness and disconnection and fear and all yeah. these things can, yep. can really affect us. So what do you see as the first step uh, on the path toward like reconstituting yeah. neighborliness and, and this sort of connection in our lives? Yeah, you know, I, I agree with everything you said. And that was really at the heart of deciding to write this book mm -hmm. and to write it when I wrote it. Um, we have been taught to, to be afraid of each other. Mm -hmm. I was glad that you put that in your list of like, you know, there's this and this and, and there is fear. And some of it is really warranted, to be mm -hmm. honest. I mean, yeah. it, th these are real things happening to real people, to us in our neighborhoods. Yeah. Um, you know, we are, we are wearing our heart on our sleeve, AKA we are like posting signs and flags in our yards and on our porches, right, and, right. like identifying ourselves in different ways. And that, that puts, 
that puts some people at more risk than others. Like it's just really complicated. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, you know, some of us have never felt like this has come easily. I am one of those people. Right. I think that's why I keep writing about it and talking <laughs> about it because I've, I've been on a quest to figure it out for myself, mm-hmm. whether it's something that comes naturally or not. I think most of us are feeling a little rusty yeah. at best. Yeah. Um, and so I think the first, the very first step is just doing what we're doing right now and acknowledging this is hard. Mm. After that, I think we have to like locate that little kernel or seed of hope that we still have somewhere within us that, that we that we were made for more than this, that we, we deserve more than this, that, mm-hmm. you know, more than this is even possible. Right. Um, and that, that might feel harder than it used to, but, but being able to just kind of hold on to that and, and acknowledge, you know, it doesn't have to be this way. There is a better way. There's something worth fighting for here. Um, practically speaking, I think the first step is just grounding ourselves in a new way of attentiveness. You know, so, so acknowledging this is where we're at, this is hard. And then the very, very first step is to just start to wake up to the lives that we're in, the places we're in, and just be open in a way, you know, open and intentional in a way that we maybe haven't quite been Mm -hmm. up to now. Mm -hmm. I, I was so not too long. I think it was when I was reading your book. I've, I've lived in my apartment building for for in this apartment for four years now. Uh, and I live in the Dallas Metroplex. There's a lot of people. It's not like a small town or anything. Yeah. My apartment complex alone has 78 buildings. <laughs> it's wow. a small oh. town basically. Right. Um, and you know, because it's apartments, there's a lot of turnover and stuff. And yeah. I, I was realizing like, I, I've lived in this building the longest. I don't know any of my neighbors mm-hmm. anymore. I knew a couple, I knew the people upstairs because, um, one time they they were leaking <laughs> into my unit and I had to go upstairs, yeah. but, um, but they have moved and stuff. And so, um, but there's this one woman upstairs who she has a couple of kids. Um, and every time we pass each other, like in the breezeway or something, and she's with the kids, she's always like, you want them? You can have them. <laughs> like they're driving her crazy. And I say that to her about my dog. That's and, funny. and so I, the next time I was reading your book, the next time I saw her, I was like unloading groceries and I, I was like, Hey, hold on a second. Well, tell me your name. What's your name? And then like, I was like, do you want to, I mean, have a, have wine or a coffee or something, you know, not when it's a thousand (laughs) degrees outside, but when it cools off, um, you know, we're just right in the same building. And she was like, yeah, I would love that. And if you ever need anything, so we exchanged numbers. And that was the first time in four years Mm-hmm. that I had even like made an attempt to know my neighbors other than just saying hi in the, yeah. in the passageway. Yeah. Um, and, but then there's that thing that happened immediately after where I was like, I'm, I know I'm never going to text her. <laughs> oh, you just wait, Kelly, by the end of, by the end of our chat today, Oh, I bet you will. I'm gonna, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, it just that's brings the up, goal here. It brings up that point of like, you know, so often, you know, there's all these memes about how thrilling it is to cancel plans, about how hard right. it is to make and keep plans when you're in your 30s yeah. or older and or yeah. when you have littles. Um, but also there's this truth that like it feels better once if you can get past the dread or social anxiety or the yeah the hump of getting dread out of the house and going, yeah. right? Yes, yes. Um, it, you do come home, are you feeling refreshed or feeling yeah. full or something in some way? You know what I mean? How, how, how yes. can people get over the hump? 
Well, okay. The first thing that I wanted to ask you was like, how did you feel after, do you remember how you felt after that first direct engagement with your neighbor, which by the way, I like that you phrased it here. Like, you know, do you uh, uh, like coffee or that's how it is. That's how it is. None of it. It doesn't feel, it doesn't feel smooth or flawless or ideal. It feels kind of awkward. And that's just, that's something we've got to accept and be ready for. But you did it. You did that thing. She was seemingly receptive. Yeah. How did that feel? Do you remember how it felt? It, um, let me think about how that felt. I, there was a sense, yeah, there was a sense of relief of like, I have somebody in this building if my apartment's Mm -hmm. flooding or if there's an emergency or, you know, or she needs something from me. Um, my, my parents that we know growing up, we always had that. We knew our neighbors. So call us if our house is on fire or if our dog gets out. Yeah. And I haven't had that here. And so it was really like that coupled with the fact that I had just sort of passed that anniversary of four years here, I started to feel right. more rooted, I guess is how I felt. Yeah. 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 I feel like in situations like that, that I'm in, I, I usually don't feel on the other side of like putting myself out there a little mm-hmm. bit. I usually, I might feel like, Oh my gosh, why am I so awkward? Those mm-hmm. kinds of things. I don't usually feel like, well, that was a stupid waste of time. I don't usually regret that, that movement towards somebody. And once we can kind of identify that, like times that we've made these little steps, because I, I'm convinced that everything we're talking about here Mm -hmm. is made of moments like that. Like these Mm -hmm. really little tiny moments where we even have to kind of work up the courage. It might not even always, the outcome might not always be what we hoped for. We might not even know what we're hoping for. Right. But it builds that resilience in us. Mm. And if we can, if we can kind of carry that with us and remember, you know, that there's a, there's a little bit of a reward in that, like you said, Mm -hmm. just the comfort of there's somebody else in this building who knows my name, right? Even if it stays that way for a long, long time, Mm -hmm. I feel like we, we have to give ourselves permission to let this be slow right. to the point that it feels sometimes like, Oh, nothing is happening here. There's no, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there's, there's, there's no news here. Right. But the fact is something is happening. The fact mm. is you took, you took a step towards her and she's taken steps towards you, even in her jokes in the hallway or whatever. Yeah. And sometimes we can look back, not all the time, but sometimes we can look back mm-hmm years you know years later and and realize like that's where that's where this thing started and it doesn't mean that we have that you know we're destined to be best friends with all these little interactions we make I think a a really safe and flourishing connected life has a lot of different layers of connection Mm -hmm. and some of them can be you know it's like we've got our work friends and we've got our our heart friends and we've got the people in our building who know our name like if if crisis strikes for them or for for me yeah we both we both know where we can turn and that can be just a huge comfort in and of itself so good job is what i'm saying thank you i um (laughs) i well it it actually it didn't feel like this i didn't feel like i was shooting my shot because there was you know we've bonded over the fact that there's never any parking we've talked about like what are we going to do about this or when i got my new car she was like oh my gosh tell me all about it and Mm -hmm. uh, and then when i had to have a rental one time she noticed and we you know we're just in passing a few minutes but um those little tiny you're right those little tiny connections led to me being comfortable enough with her that i i 
wasn't worried she would be like, uh, no, <laughs> you know, right. <laughs> Creepy much? Creepy. And so, um, it's, uh, <clears throat> excuse me. You write this is sort of a good segue. You write, uh, I love this sentence. There's no such thing as a trivial connection. Yeah. I love I, that. Can I believe it? Yeah. Can you unpack that a little bit? more yeah I mean I I just think every single relationship that we have and so for me you know I'm thinking of of I'm married so I'm thinking of like the first time I'm like our biggest relationships down to like Mm -hmm. our just our acquaintances Mm -hmm. all of these all of these relationships big or small began with something so small and so tiny you know a hello or eye contact or just some type of recognition Mm -hmm. of each other and and when we can remember that it kind of it splits things open in terms of um opportunity Mm. and you know the what could be and what can be and possibility and all of those things I, i think sometimes we run the risk of overcomplicating things Mm -hmm. and sometimes it feels like it's got to be all or it might as well be nothing Mm -hmm. like we've got to be we've got to be doing the whole Martha Stewart dinner party that almost none of us feel comfortable with or we'll just you know we'll just we'll hunker down and and spend our lives Mm -hmm. alone Mm -hmm. in our homes and there's so much that can happen between those two things if, if we can choose to believe that like the really small stuff often kind of piles up into something bigger and more meaningful. Yeah. Um, I, I just think everything counts. It all counts. None of us, none of it is, is wasted yeah. as we, as we look out into, you know, how do we, how do we live a life of connection? I mean, I, I don't live in an apartment. I mm-hmm. love that you do because I think that's the way so many of us are living and kind of the context that we're living in. Um, but I, you know, I can look at some of my, I'm looking out the window here mm-hmm. at my, my neighbor's houses. I mean, I've lived here for 12 years. So I went from being, you know, the new person right. on the block to being like, I am like the grandma on the <laughs> block that's been here the longest yeah. at this point. And, and there are relationships or connections that it took me 10 years to get to. Mm-hmm. And, and so it's like, you know, there, there are times that we might do that. Oh, hey, hi. You know, we might do that for years and years. And it matters because it, yeah. it's just like little tiny building blocks towards something a little bit more. Yeah. That's a place I noticed that really often is um, I don't have kids. So I'm not like, you know, PTA or school or something like that. But yeah. at my church, I'm Episcopalian. And I just became that in 2019. And I don't know if you know this, but it's a, it skews quite a bit more uh, advanced in years in terms of demographics. (laughs) (laughs) Trying to say this in a nice way. Um, (laughs) Most of them in, you know, most of the people in my church in their sixties to eighties. Yeah. And I don't know, at the time I got there, maybe four people that were millennials or, or Gen Z. Um, And so I kind of, I had been raised in this culture of at church, youth group culture and college ministry and young adult ministry. And you have to have this huge group of people your age and in your same season. Um, And, but most of the people at church, I think a lot of people will find this. Most of your church community is, you recognize that's where they sit. You say hi when you walk past. You say hi to the usher when you walk in. There's a select group of people that you usually go deeper with or you know better or spent more time with. Um, but all of those people feel like those are my people, even on the like yeah. 
hi, I know your face. I know that's where you sit. We always pass the piece to each other and that's our, yeah. <laughs> that's our engagement, you know? Yeah. Um, and then it turns out, you know, I started teaching the spiritual formation in my church um, for adult spiritual formation last year. And I did two series and these, God love them. These old women mm-hmm. are some of my best little buddies, the most encouraging, yeah. kind, warm, generous, that we'll just, I mean, they've shared some of their most like painful and most celebratory. Yeah. We've just, uh, they're my friends. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how else yes. to say it. Oh, then they're it. not just my church family, but they're like my friends. These, yeah. these women who, you know, could be not just my mother, but maybe my grandmother even. Um, and I love it. And it's, it is, that part is, um, I guess it sort of lends itself to that, to what you talk about in the, about the um, homogeny in yeah. our friendships. Um, yes. Because if your church has that, like, and I'm saying it's bad, youth ministry, culture, young adult mm-hmm. ministry, marrieds ministry, if it is dividing you up by season or by generation, um, yeah. automatically you're losing some, uh, what is it? Some d- diversity in your. Yeah. Religion. Right. Yeah. I, I could say a hundred things about this. I mean, please. I, I love that story. I had a feeling that's where it was going to end. I didn't think it was going to end with you being like, and, and all these old ladies can't stand them. <laughs> you know <laughs> what I mean? Like, I just like, imagine, but, but I, I, I agree with you. These, these things in church culture are not bad. Right. And yet they're disservice to us ultimately mm-hmm. when mm-hmm. I was raised in the same kind of culture where it's like oh now you move to this group all mm-hmm. of you together right and then you move together to this group and then and so it we're constantly kind of being divided up into like this is where you go and this is where you go and mm-hmm. we see bigger you know bigger ramifications of that just in our culture this kind of like you go here you go here you can't be friends. You can't be friends. Right. My experience was so similar. When we moved into this neighborhood and started, you know, we, we just knew we were going to attend a church in our, in our immediate proximity. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are several to choose from, but we, we just ended up landing at the United Methodist Church at mm-hmm. the end of our street here. It's a block and a half away. We walked in not thinking we would stay. And then we've been there ever since. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, it was the same sort of thing. It's, it has changed over the years in some really interesting ways. But when we first arrived, it was a dying congregation mm-hmm. in every sense of the word. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it taught me the value of kind of undercutting this cultural idea of go and find your people Mm. rather than that message, which, which always kind of implies like find people like you find people who you're super comfortable with, find people in the same phase of life, Mm -hmm. find people in your same socioeconomic grouping. I mean, on and on and on rather than going out and finding our people what if we just started to kind of recognize our people as the ones who are right around us? Here Hold they on. are. I'm taking notes. That's so good. We miss out on so much. And I have, you know, I wrote about this in the Ministry of Ordinary Places, but one of my best friends of my life mm-hmm. was a woman named Becca, who I met through church. On paper, we had absolutely nothing in common other than maybe like 
a spicy streak, (laughs) (laughs) which is, which is honestly like it goes a long way, Mm -hmm. but, but choosing to understand. And I remember I, we both kind of had to get there with like, we're allowed to be friends. Like on paper, this might not make sense to people, but what if right. we did it anyway? Right. And and she became, she has passed away since, so it's very, very mm-hmm. sad for me, but she became one of my truest, bluest people. Sweet. And she was, she was old enough to be my mom. And I think there's the thing, Kelly, like the older I get, mm-hmm. <laughs> the more I realize like, I still feel 17 in some ways I still feel 23 in some ways I still feel like I still feel like all these versions of my younger self Mm -hmm. and so your friends at church you know it's like we we have a hard time identifying sometimes with people older than us but I don't think older people have such a hard time identifying with us in some ways right right. we just we've got to be willing to we've just got to be open if we could live in such a way in our neighborhoods, in our apartments, mm-hmm. in our whatever it is, whatever mm-hmm. kind of setting we're in, in our churches, in our communities, where we just decided like the people who are already here, what would it look like yeah. to to be in this with them in some intentional way? Yeah. We would all be a little less lonely. Oh, I love that so much. The so the, I want to talk more about the homogeny thing. So you you talk mm-hmm. about the importance in the book of noticing where our lives yeah. are just so homogenous um, in our existing relationships. Yeah. Sort of considering what we might be missing out on and um, and how we can like start intentionally building connections and friendships with people who are different from us. Mm-hmm. I. I there's this whole section basically I sent you an email ahead of time and just asked you like let's just break this section down because it was chock full of really yeah. insightful I would guess hard won wisdom <laughs> um, <laughs> where to start what to do what not yeah. to do what to be aware of when, when yeah. pursuing these things um, can you just start sort of walking us through um, how to notice uh, you know mm-hmm. a lack of diversity and then how to intentionally begin to pursue it yeah absolutely when I'm going to keep referencing like when we moved into this neighborhood, because Mm -hmm. that was like, that was an identifying moment in my life that forever, I think of my life as like before and after, because so much of my life and the way I see Mm -hmm. the world and myself in it, like everything changed, everything shifted. But when we arrived here, I had been, I, I was only friends with people who, and, and really only, only in, proximity with people who looked and lived and believed really exactly as I did. Mm-hmm. And I had lived my whole life up to that point in that way right. to the point that it didn't feel, it felt like, yeah, this is great. Like this is what we're supposed to be doing. Right. I mean, right. I, it didn't even cross my mind to question it. Right. When it's like called a blind in, spot for a reason. You like literally it, yeah, don't even exactly. see it. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> right. You just, you think like, this is the, this is what we're doing here. Yeah. And on you go. When we landed in a place that was, more diverse in every sense of the word it 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 put me on the path of of trying to understand like oh like I didn't know how to embrace difference I didn't know how to um be friends with people who were different Mm -hmm. And, and and I knew that I I I wanted to I needed to I knew I needed to start kind of figuring some of this out and I was I had no practice um I want to stop and say, like, we're talking a lot about difference. And for some people, that's uncomfortable. Some people like to be like, but we're all mostly the same. But we're all, you know, at the end of the day, we're all, Mm -hmm. and there's, I get that. And I have said things like that before. 
I see that side of it. And I also see the other side where we're just so difference makes us so anxious that we don't don't even want to talk about it. Right. It, when there's so much richness and beauty and importance to just saying like, yeah, I mean, we're all people, mm-hmm. true, with some basic, you know, wants and core needs and all those things. But mm-hmm. we're also really different. And that's not something that we should be afraid of. Right. So there's yeah. that. Thanks for caveat. saying that. So I, yes, I would say as, as we, as we begin to recognize that there's some value, <laughs> like that's where I was like, oh, wait, like right. I've only been formed by people like me. Like what is that even, I mean, it, it forms us in some way. But I started to just get these tiny tastes of like, oh, I'm missing out on some mm-hmm. important things. There's a lot I don't know. Yeah. So the, the first part is just acknowledging that that's our life. Mm. And I think honestly, for most of us, we would have to say that our, our lives have, by design in some ways, have put us in spaces where we we don't experience a lot of difference. So mm-hmm. at the point that we can acknowledge that and then say, yeah, I, you know, we can be intrigued by the idea of, of being friends with, with people who are different in whatever way. Mm-hmm. Um, we have to kind of self-reflect. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking back to learning to, to connect and be a neighbor to the people around me who were different in, in any number of ways mm-hmm. and understanding, like, there's a lot I don't know. Like, we, we need to tread with some caution mm-hmm. because even when our intentions are, are good, we can still do harm. Yes. Um, it's important for us to to begin to like re-educate ourselves mm-hmm. if we have not been properly educated, which which I was very much in that camp of understanding, especially when we think about like ethnic differences, race, mm-hmm. racial differences, um, sexuality yeah. differences, identity differences, like all of these different things. I, you know, I, I can say that I was probably a little over eager. Like I, I was to the point yeah. of like, Ooh, I, you know, I want to jump in. And yet I was not in a place where I couldn't do that without causing some harm. Mm. So being able to kind of slow down and, and understand, like, I need to be reading, you know, maybe the first step for me isn't to just try to like put myself out there in the world and when right. want to be everybody's friend. Maybe I start by really diversifying the books I'm reading, the podcasts yeah. I'm listening to, the people I'm following on Instagram or Twitter yeah. or whatever. I've learned a ton yes. through doing those things. And we all have access to that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, educating ourselves, you know, get your library card out, <laughs> fire up the Wi-Fi, yeah. we can do this check our motives so that we're not approaching this from the standpoint of like, I am a gift to the world. <laughs> Everybody would, would be better off having me in right, their life right. and as their friend. And, you know, I, I don't think we, we think of it in quite those terms, but, but I think shifting that into like, I mean, we've, we have a lot to learn and experience from each other, just yeah. kind of checking ourselves on that and then finding things to just join in. I mean, like you're talking mm-hmm. about with church, Finding things that are already happening mm-hmm. and and leaning into those spaces where where we do see some difference, like locating those those areas in our life. Yeah. Um, and, and maybe some of us have to dig a little deeper than others, but finding those spaces and then just showing up with a listening heart mm-hmm. um, and taking it slow. Yeah. That's, that's where that's that's the kind of the process that I see yeah. that has made sense for me. I, there's, there's a lot of, a lot of wisdom there. And I think you hit, I mean, one of the things that I began to realize, I think it was around, um, 
2015, right after the um, shooting at, at Mother Emanuel AME. Yeah. Um, I sort of, that was sort of one of the biggest, like, uh, wake up moments for me. I'm not going to say what yeah. moments, um, wake up yeah. moments for me that I, you know, that was, I was in my mid twenties or something and really began to, um, start to listen and start to realize like, Oh, I don't even know what I don't know. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, right. and yep. so, uh, over time it became more, I became more aware of, of even that lack of, um, or that homogeny in who I was following. Like you said, like I, right. it's such an, it's such an easy and accessible way to get, to be exposed to new stories and new perspectives yes, and new, that's it. um, I, I'll, I'll never forget. I like watching queer eye, um, when yeah, it first same. started right. and, and I wasn't even, uh, theologically affirming yet. I was socially right. and politically, um, yeah. but, but not theologically. And, and hearing the stories of, yeah. you know, Bobby saying, I'm never going in a church again because this is how I was treated. I used to yeah. beg God at the altar, don't make yep. me this way. And, and I, you just, you don't, you know, you just don't, it's not that I wasn't in proximity with queer people. It just maybe I didn't appear to be a safe person until, you know, at that point. And so, right. Um, and so hearing, it just became so clear that hearing the stories of other people in their voices, letting them tell their experiences. And then, like you said, reading, um, mm -hmm. especially in theology circles, especially yeah. in the Christian book world. Um, yep my gosh, it's just dominated by oh primarily gosh. white men. Um, right. and then white, you know, and then white women for women's <laughs> categories. Right. Um, right. Right. And I mean, everything from commentary, like I had to be careful even when looking at commentaries, not just yeah. formation books, but, um, how are, how's other people reading this that people are who aren't the dominant culture and, and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. I just, I loved that part of your book because it, um, you wouldn't think that that's part of, you know, who you read and who you're following on social media, part yeah. of how you can be a better neighbor. It's huge. It's huge. I mean, I, and, and it's one of those things again, I mean, I was living in this house mm -hmm. and for the record, just because it's, it pertains to this conversation, let it be known. I was a white mom of four non-white kids. Right. Okay. So right. that was already part of my life. I'm in this house. I don't know how, I mean, this was years into me living in this home and really having my heart and mind shifted in a lot of important ways, but it's a process. You mm -hmm. know, I was, I was, it was years back in the process Yeah. when I realized, Oh, I read a ton. I'm a pretty voracious reader mm -hmm. and I am almost only reading white women. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, yeah. that's the stuff, even fiction. I mean, I, I read more fiction then than I do now. Mm -hmm. And the fiction I was reading was white women. And so I, I taped a piece of like cardstock to my wall of mm -hmm. my bedroom and just challenged myself. I'm not going to read two white authors in a row. Mm. That was, that was my that's initial great. challenge. And I wrote the title of each book on that list as it went down. And I just made sure because I knew, you know, there were still going to be, I, I still am a white author, by right. the way. you know, it's right. like, it's not that there's anything wrong with this, but we've got to find ways to break out of that homogenous comfort mm -hmm. zone. And we've got to push ourselves like it, it didn't, it wasn't always easy. It wasn't, you know, I'm sent a lot of books by white authors. Like right. these are just, 
it, the system is stacked against us or stacked for us, you know, right, depending right, on right. the <laughs> angle you're looking from, you've got to put some effort into it. And I, and I push myself to do this and it changed the way I read forever. Mm-hmm. And it changed my, you know, it, it does, like you said, it's the story. Mm-hmm. So sometimes even the reading fiction or memoir or cookbooks or mm-hmm. poetry by a BIPOC or queer author or whatever the case may be, is just as instructive and informative as reading, you know, some like nonfiction, you know, theology or up in your head kind of. Yeah. 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 It was, it was eye opening. And so those are the things, those are the little things that we can do Mm -hmm. that help kind of, um, that help shift that lens to make us into people, hopefully over time, who are a little safer, a little more mm-hmm. aware, a little more um, willing to be quiet, you know, mm-hmm. to be the one listening more than talking, all of those kinds yeah, of things. Yeah, it's something I think about a lot with podcast guests who I'm who I'm following, who I'm asking, um, yeah. again, because I, I interview a lot of authors, and so the publishing mm-hmm. industry is going to be favoring a certain kind of author. Yep, um, and yep. so I may have, I mean, it, overwhelmingly, my guests are women. I have a few men um but so it may be it may be two white women in a row but one of them is lgbtqia or it may be um you know two straight women in a row but one is a cuban um cuban american woman you know i had kat armis on yesterday i was talking to her um oh yay and so i you know so i'm just i i try to be at least aware um between sexuality and gender and, Mm um, uh, you know, race and and ethnicity and, and even like, uh, somebody who grew up here in the dominant culture versus an immigrant experience, you know, things like that. Um, so I try to be really aware of that and it has made me aware of it in other spaces. I was trying to watch (laughs) suits the other day, suits on Netflix. I'd never seen it before. I was trying to watch it. And I had just gotten done watching How to Get Away with Murder, which is, you know, a a very diverse cast in all different kinds of ways. And I turned on Suits, which I guess started in like the early 2010s. And it was just so white men, white, straight, (laughs) Wall Street men. I mean, it felt so flat. It wasn't just, I mean, it was cringy and offensive at times, but it was just felt so flat. And so like, um, yeah lacking texture and diversity and interest. And so anyway, um, I appreciate you, you sharing that. And, and I mean, TV shows, you're, you're on the money though, with even the the media that were like, all of this counts and it all matters. And we do like, I'm not at a place now. I don't still have that paper taped to my wall. Mm -hmm. And I, I I might read two white authors in a row at this point. Mm -hmm. It, but it doesn't really matter at this point because I've already seen the value. Like, right. I just, I automatically want more. Right. And that's what you're saying, even just with the shows, the movies, the music we're listening to. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's good work. It's valuable work. Yeah. And, and I, think, I think people like me who grew up in the kind of church or religious, you know, white evangelical culture I grew mm-hmm. up in, I had to understand. And this sounds... It, it might sound silly. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It might sound, I don't know what it might sound. I'll, okay. I'll leave that up to you all okay. to decide how it sounds. I had to give myself actual permission to just be curious. Like when you're talking about Queer Eye, yep. I, had the, I had a similar experience with that. There were so many times where I 
I would be like, I don't know if I'm, you know, this is years ago, but yep. like, am I allowed? Right. Am I allowed to, am I in trouble? Right. If I read this book, am I in trouble? If I listen to this podcast, am I in trouble? If I go and have coffee with this person, mm-hmm. because it had been ingrained in me, not even so much through words, but right. just, you know, by osmosis, like you, you know, everything different is a danger. Yes. And so yes. you stay in your lane. And it took real effort for me to break free from that and to be able to say, I want to be the kind of person who pursues difference, even to the point where I might not, I don't have to agree. It doesn't even have to be about, do I agree or disagree or blah, blah, blah. We can just, there are, there are healthy ways to be curious about the people around us. I think there's, I mean, that's, it's like two different ways of looking at things in fundamentalism, in evangelicalism, at least is how I was raised. Everything is agree, disagree, right, wrong, black, white, right. in, out. There's yeah. just this dualism where curiosity and nuance just entirely erase the duet, you know, the dichotomies yep. and allow you to say, I can hold space for this, even if I don't understand yes. it, or even if I don't agree or, or don't know if I agree yet or, yeah, right. um, right. you know, I had a friend the other day, we were at lunch and she has recently, um, decided, you know, left uh, religion altogether, Christianity and, mm-hmm. and religion. And, I, you know, I'm not pearl clutching about it. I love her. And we were just having lunch. Yeah, and right. She was explaining that she um, does tarot cards now and was explaining mm-hmm. to me. And, and I felt it in her voice that she was like trying to like defend or make a case for it. And I was yeah. like, you don't have to do that. I, you, you yeah. know, you do you. And, and I can, yeah, right. but before I would have been like, Right. I thought I would have, I was letting the demonic into my life by even hearing the story. Right. And, and then the extra layer of pressure of like, now it's your job to (laughs) To change her mind, convince (laughs) her. Right. I mean, this is the, this is the loop that so many of us were raised in. And, and so I don't want that to be, I guess I don't want it to be an excuse for us but it's also something worth acknowledging. And, mm-hmm. and so I'm like into like on my Instagram feed or whatever, mm-hmm. like I'm just throwing out permission. It's not that I'm even the, yeah. the one to give permission, but just reminding people as often as I can. Yes. Like we, we don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be afraid. We don't yes. have to do that anymore. <laughs> yeah. That's so good. Um, shifting gears a little bit. You talk in the book about how friendship and neighbor love with those things come hospitality. Um, and this is, there's a couple of things I want to talk to you about it. First of all, you, um, you delineate the difference between hospitality and entertaining. We're talking about having people into our homes. Um, can you just unpack that difference real quick? Yeah. I, I, I find myself, um, unimpressed with the word hospitality. It's a very fussy word Mm -hmm. for something that, that at its core wants to be not fussy. Um, I haven't found a really a better word for it. And so I Mm -hmm. stick to it. It's a word that we know, but I think we, our minds automatically take hospitality into a direction where it becomes about like, we want everything to be perfect. We want people to think we've got everything together. We Mm -hmm. want people to think we're charming and it's effortless and our house is clean and we're funny. And you know, I can't do that. Yeah. And if I, if I set the bar there at like, you know, we're going to, I'm going to have this event in my home. Mm-hmm. If that's what it has to be, then I'm just never doing it. Right. I'm just not going to. Right. There's never going to be a time where my life feels together enough or calm enough or, 
you know, there's never going to be a time where I feel like cool enough or mm-hmm. funny enough. And my, my apartment's clean enough or right. you know, whatever. Right. Yes. Because yeah. when I, when we landed here, I started to experience actual hospitality from the people mm-hmm. around me. And it wasn't that, Yeah, you know, it was, it was people just happy to see me, people mm-hmm. just calling me over to their yard because they were making, you know, they were grilling out and they yeah. had extra people, you know, my husband's a chaplain of a jail. Mm-hmm. A lot of our, you know, we live in a neighborhood where a lot of those folks would land after incarceration, mm-hmm. people who have struggled in a lot of ways that I have not struggled. Yeah. Their homes are different than mine. They are humble. Um, and, and it's very like, just, this is who I am. Mm-hmm. Come on in. Yeah. And what I found in that was like, oh, I can do this. Mm. You know, when, when I'm welcomed into somebody's space and into their life and into their, you know, who they are and experience it as like a little bit messy, mm-hmm. that's a relief to me. Mm-hmm. Because we, I, I think most of us, the vast majority of us, we all kind of live similar ways. Like, and, and then we tidy everything up before anybody... Find out we never normal. judge the people we're going to and we always think like right. oh no please don't judge me my apartment you know <laughs> yeah right yeah and messy yeah. is very um you know that's like a, our perspective on that is is all different whether it's like our lives or our homes or our mm-hmm. bathrooms or whatever but realizing that I I felt that like sigh of relief if I would you know we were in an earlier phase in life and I had a wild child at the mm-hmm. time and so that even felt like a barrier to like having people over, you know, all the judgment that I felt or put on myself, you know, are people judging my kid? Are they judging our parenting? Or this is just chaotic and maybe it's not fun for anybody. Mm -hmm. When I started to be on the receiving end of of other normal families with normal kids and situations and it it wasn't always ideal. Yeah. It just, again, it, 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 allowed me to like keep setting that bar lower here Mm -hmm. because all I felt was like, okay, like they don't have it all together and they're not afraid for me to see that. That tells me I don't have to have it all together either. I don't have to pretend. Yeah. When we can do that, that eliminates this idea of just kind of trying to entertain through impressing each other. Mm-hmm. Because even if we can pull it off once, it's not sustainable. <laughs> no, and, and like, we can't keep doing it. Right. And I mean, the, I'll give an example. I uh, I think I told you before we started recording, I'm on the, on the back end of pneumonia, but I've been sick for a month. Um, mm. And I had bronchitis first, and then walking pneumonia, and then pneumonia, and then... Uh, broken rib and pleurisy. I mean, it was, it's just been awful. Um, and so, I mean, I could barely walk a few steps without starting to get winded. So my apartment got real messy. Yep. And when I got home from the hospital, I was just, I was wishing so much for a clean apartment, but I hadn't even felt comfortable enough having, asking someone to come over and help me clean it or to, you know, have a team come in and clean it because, I, I was like, I'm going to have to clean it before they, <laughs> you know, right. or at least get it to where it's a, an acceptable f- amount of messy yeah. um, or where I don't have to explain, you know, just don't worry about, I know that thing, you know, I know there's leftovers in the fridge that are molding. I'll get to it right. when I feel better. We all have, we all yeah. live like that. Yes. Yeah. And so, um, but it limited, um, like I, there were a few things I needed help with when I was sick. Yeah. I mean, genuine help. And I couldn't even, I wouldn't even let myself do that. I would ask for yeah. it because, um, 
you know, have somebody bring by soup because if that meant they had to come in, I got to entertain you while I'm feeling bad. And that's what I would say. I have to entertain you. Yeah. Yeah. When their heart was, let me come and serve you. Let me bring Mm -hmm. you food. Let me help you. My thought was, I would love the food. (laughs) I don't want, I don't want to have to have company, you know, while I'm sick. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And so that, uh, that differentiation is really helpful for me. I do want to acknowledge, I mean, like people listening to this that are like, I'm an introvert. All of this sounds like a nightmare. Mm -hmm. That's me in a lot of ways. Me too. My, you know, I am very intentional with the amount of time I spend, the amount of social capital required and the recovery afterwards. Yep. Um, the things I say yes to and the things I say no to, et cetera. And, um, but there's, you know, there's people even with either uh, disability or physical limitations of some kind, mental health issues, ADHD and depression, particularly, Mm -hmm. I at least know from my experience, um, make keeping an apartment clean or even yourself clean really difficult sometimes. Um, and do you have any advice for people who just like, they're so used to the introvert muscle that it's easier than to just keep things the way they are rather than start to shake yeah. it up or, you I know, do, for people who. I, that's the magic question. And I've, I've written about this and thought about this for so long. And I mm-hmm. still, the answer that I have for that is, will be a little unsatisfying because I do think there, that, that is me to a T. <laughs> yeah. I still, I mean, I wrote in the book, like I still, my knee jerk reaction to somebody knocking on my door is like, why? Like yeah. who would do this? Right. Who would just show up and knock on my door? I wouldn't even I get up and go look if I wasn't expecting someone. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. And, and so that's how a lot of us feel myself included. Mm-hmm. So the goal here is not that we all become magically, you know, in, or extroverted mm-hmm. or that all of this just becomes so easy and, and second nature. I've been, I've been practicing this stuff for a long time and still yeah. it gets easier as we, as we see what's on the other side of it. And so mm-hmm. that's, I guess my, my answer is, Unfortunately, sometimes we have to just go first. Like sometimes mm-hmm. we have to to build up the gumption to take that little step to be paying attention to our world so that we notice those little tiny opportunities and we take mm-hmm. them. And then we build our muscle through the feeling we get afterwards. That feeling yeah. of like, you know, like I'm proud of myself. That wasn't a disaster. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I showed up vulnerable and somebody met me in that vulnerability. Yeah. Like, but, but in order to get to like those, those important outcomes, there's just no way to bypass the front end of like, we've just got to be willing to try things sometimes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, so for some of us, that might mean, you know, this, this whole book start with hello is, is built of baby steps and we're yes. all starting at different places. So, you know, for some of us, the takeaway might be like, I've never in my life had somebody into my home. Mm-hmm. So maybe the the baby step for them is like, I'm just going to like put myself out there and see if somebody wants to go on a walk with me mm-hmm. yeah. or, you know, see if somebody wants to, to meet for a cup of coffee. Um, like we can't have the expectation mm-hmm. that, you know, we're going to all be welcoming people into our spaces I think just showing up needy which is also a very hard thing for us and it's no small thing but being willing to say like I need I need help with this Mm -hmm. could you loan me this like whatever the case may be and to even say like 
if somebody offers the soup, like mm-hmm. I would love the soup, but I am not in a place to have company yet. Yeah. Like that's a vulnerable thing to say to somebody. Yeah. But when we do that, we, we retrain all of us mm-hmm. of like, oh, we're allowed to do that. Yeah. <laughs> we're allowed to like really be honest yeah. about That's where good. we're at. We're allowed to really be vulnerable in that way. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I feel the same way you do. And so if somebody said to me, like, I, I'm introverted, so I would never be like, I'm, I would be like, can I just leave it on your porch? <laughs> I usually I know- just Venmo or offer to like Uber Eats them food and and maybe that's a you know there's a generational technological thing yeah people were people were sending me those things while I was sick people from all over the country that would Mm. never have been able to drive food over to my apartment you know Um, and so there I think there's benefit but you're (laughs) exactly right you know when friends have babies and stuff I'm like I I would love to see your baby and I would love to see your you know your home I also know like when when it was my sister-in-law right after isn't usually the time unless you're a immediate no. family you know right, right. but I, I can mean, go I take remember, food to your yes. doorstep and say yep. hey there's food out here you know yeah yep be finding the way to show up as our actual selves mm-hmm. in all their glory you yeah. know and in all of our differences and all the different ways we're wired but but beginning to trust that like who we are is enough and mm-hmm. that we can I mean, we will never get to a place of like real authentic connections and vulnerable friendships if we're constantly masking who we really are. Yeah. So, you know, every little entry point we have into like, this is who I am. Mm -hmm. When you, when you over time have that one friend that you can just put it, you, you can say it exactly as it is. Yeah. You can, you know, the friend that can come show up in the middle of the disaster. Right. I mean, that's, that's worth its weight in gold. Yeah. I, um, I want to, the last sort of question about this topic I want to ask you before we hop off of here. Um, I love what you just, it was like this in passing thing. You mentioned that you guys in your family have upgraded the golden rule to the platinum mm-hmm. rule. Mm-hmm. Can you tell people what that is and how that, how it actually like plays out? Yeah. Most of us are familiar with the golden rule. And to be honest, I learned about this from my neighbor, Jose. Mm-hmm. I had not heard about it. It was new to me, but I was like, mm-hmm. this is, this is everything. Yeah. The golden rule is this idea of like, treat others the way you want to be treated. Right. And Matthew it sounds 7, 12, It sounds like it really works. Where it comes yeah. from. Yeah. Good job. I didn't know that, but thank you. You know why I know it? Because when my brother and I were little and we used to fight, my dad made us sit in a room, hold hands, and memorize that verse forward and backwards before we could be done. You two do them have, would you, what others to do? I can still do it backwards. Oh my goodness. It's not. Okay. Anyway. (laughs) And you just had, you just had the opportunity to share that fact that you, that lives in your brain. Yes. So, so the platinum rule. Yes. As we know, like platinum is better than gold apparently platinum rule is we treat others the way they want to be treated and it's 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 a small little thing but it's huge that shift it's it's huge because it takes us into this place of you know this this kind of snubbing our noses or or judging people who are like oh you're too politically correct you're too sensitive you're too blah 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 yep I think there's just a lot of real beauty in being too sensitive for the sake of each other. 
mm-hmm. to be able to say like, I might not even understand fully whatever, whatever this aspect of your life is, right. but I love you and I am going to be too sensitive with you yeah. on your behalf. Like I'm not going to think about if, if we stick to the golden rule, it causes us to be in situations to be like, well, I would never be offended by that. Right. Right. Well, good for you, I guess, but it's not about me. It's not about us. We're not the center of the universe. If we can get better at thinking like, oh, how does this feel Mm -hmm. for this other person? How is their life different? What privileges do I have in my life that that I am probably blind to in some ways? But as we're diversifying our reading and all those things, they become clearer to us. How can I begin to, to shift my thinking towards the comfort and the preference mm-hmm. of the other person? That's just the better way. It is the better way. And one of the things that's actually been really instrumental to me, uh, um, I didn't connect it until we were just talking about this, but um, the Enneagram has been a really mm-hmm. interesting tool for me to see. Yeah. I'm an eight. and Oh, me too, girl. Okay. Okay. So... I don't want somebody to give me the critique, but sandwiched between two compliments. I don't trust your compliments when it's like that. Just tell me the thing I need to work on bottom line it. And, and let's get rid of the atmosphere and move on, you know, Um, but in like in a workplace environment, but if I have people working for me who that feels like, wow, I just got yelled at or something when I'm just, I'm just telling you what I feel. You know, the Enneagram has been really instrumental to me in helping me understand that not everyone sees things the way that I do or communicates the same way I do. Um, And rather than, you know, my first uh, realization with that was like, okay, I can, I need to start better explaining myself why I'm acting this way. Mm-hmm. And then it sort of downshifted into, or, you know, it, it transformed into what if instead of like just insisting on being my full eight self, um, yeah. I could also consider that, that fours really don't respond <laughs> to that same way or right. twos or, you yeah. know, um, my mom one time said to me, <laughs> It was just a comment my boss had said that was inexplicably ignorant. And I was mm-hmm. ranting and raving. And she said, Kel, everything is not a crusade. She's a seven. Ouch. And I'm an eight. And I was just, I was what? Like, I've never felt less seen or known in my yeah. life. Because oh my yes, it is. But to her, right, right? she's like, she's like, don't don't ruin the like good thing you have let's keep having fun don't let yeah. i'm talk about the hard stuff I, i'll think about that forever now that's a good word <laughs> <laughs> and so um so yeah anyway i just i things like that things like the enneagram or even just you know proximity to people you don't always know how somebody yeah. wants to be treated but when you do mm-hmm. start to learn those things when you do learn what offends them or what uh where they do feel seen and known I always say become a student of your people. It helps with gift buying. That's it. And also with treating people well. (laughs) That's it. And, And until we know, if we can just train ourselves to err on the side of like being too sensitive. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. For the sake of each other. That's just a, that's just probably a better place to begin. You know, that we're going to, we're, it's, it's started to kind of feel like an insult. You know, this idea of like, Oh, you're, you're too sensitive, man. I just, I hope my skin stays thin. I hope Mm. that I, I hope that I continue in life, like feeling 
the world and feeling the feelings and and being aware of the people around me like this isn't a bad thing like where did we where did we ever get the idea that this was a bad thing yeah and for an for an eight for example i i i do i want to be treated very differently by the people i love and trust than i care about how i'm treated online i'll block you i don't care i'll cuss you out whatever but if but if my (laughs) if somebody that i love and trust uh, makes an accusation against my character that they should know better about like that. I'm going to be far more sensitive to that. And so, and so even, I guess you're right because what you think you know about someone, you know, maybe different. I love that you're also in, yeah, you and I have this in common. I, I say to people and it's mostly true. It like outside of like those closest relationships that is different, Mm -hmm. but in in the world, like I say to people, like it's almost impossible to offend me. Mm -hmm. Like personally, like I can take it. Yeah. I don't care. But that's not (laughs) true. That's not true of most people. And I've had to, it's just, it's what you just said, but I love that you said it. Like, so I could go through my life like well nothing offends me so I'm just going to act like you know nothing offends anybody well that would probably hurt a lot of people because I don't know like taking the shift off of 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 my preference Mm -hmm. or my wiring Mm -hmm. and being a little more careful with with others I think it's just it's it's the way forward Well, that was my conversation with the lovely and wonderful Shannon Martin. My thanks again to Shannon today for joining me. You can find her on Twitter, Instagram, and threads at Shannon Writes, and that's S-H-A-N-N-A-N-W-R-I-T-E-S, or on her website at ShannonMartin.com. I will link to these in the show notes as well. Really quick, before we go, I wanted to just take a second and remind you that the Let It Matter podcast has launched our Patreon community, and we would love to have you join us there. For as little as $4 a month, partners get exclusive content like additional episodes, uncut interviews, Bible study and spiritual formation teachings, and monthly matterings. A private partners-only Zoom call with me that builds community as we dive deeper into recent episode topics. To get instant access to all of these partner perks, head over to patreon.com forward slash let it matter pod or let it matter.com forward slash podcast. And you can uh, find us there either way. Join me next week as we continue to make space for honor and name what matters. And now according to our tradition, as we close out, I offer you this benediction from John O'Donohue's book to bless the space between us. The blessing is called for friendship. Let's pray. May you be blessed with good friends and learn to be a good friend to yourself. Journeying to that place in your soul where there is love, warmth, and feeling. May this change you. May it transfigure what is negative, distant, or cold within your heart. May you be brought into real passion, kindness, and belonging. May you treasure your friends. May you be good to them, be there for them, and receive all the challenges, truth, and light you need. Amen.